friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the June 6th edition of the sunny side of sports. Let's kick off with African men's football. Teams across the continent competed in qualifying matches for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations tournament in Ivory Coast over the weekend. Joining us now with more details is Prince Nesta. Sporty greetings, Prince. Sporty greetings to you too, Sonny. The Blue Sharks of Cape Verde suffered a 2-0 defeat away to the Stallions of Burkina Faso and will next play host to the Sparrowhawks of Togo in Group B of the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers on Tuesday. Togo under two will draw against Iswatini in their group opener on Friday and are now unbeaten in each of their last seven games in all competitions. The brave warriors of Namibia under one all draw against Burundi, while the pharaohs of Egypt needed a Mustafa Mohamed goal to open their 2023 Africa Cup of Nations qualifying campaign with a 1-0 win over Stabon Guinea in a match that was played at the Cairo International Stadium. The Flames of Malawi also kicked off their 2023 Africa Cup of Nations qualifications with a 2-1 win against Ethiopia, courtesy of two goals from Orlando Pirates striker Gabadinho Mhanga in a match that was played at the Bingo National Stadium in Lilongwe. Malawi currently lead Group D standings with three points. Ajax midfielder Mohamed Kudus called to help the Black Stars of Ghana secure one all draw away to the world be of Central African Republic in their second Group E match of the 2023 AFCON Cup qualifiers played in Luanda, Angola on Sunday. The Wallabies are playing all their home matches in Luanda after African football governing body CAF deemed all their stadiums unsuitable to host international fixtures. The Black Stars topped the group with four points, the same as the Palancas Negras of Angola, who have an inferior goal difference following their one all draw away to Barrio of Madagascar. Ghana will next face Angola home and away in their 2023 AFCON qualifiers in September. Villarreal defender Aisa Mandi and Yusuf Bilaili both scored to ensure the Desert Foxes of Algeria secured a 2-0 win against Uganda, while Typhus Stars of Tanzania under one all draw against Niger. The Scorpions of Gambia got off to a flying start by defeating the Bright Stars of South Sudan by a goal to nil, and are now equal on three points with Mali who beat the Red Devils of Congo 4-0 in Group G's other game of the day. Villarreal right-back Serge Aurier, Christian Kwame, NPSV and Hovind's Ibrahim Sangare ensured the hosts for the next edition of the AFCON competition. Ivory Coast got off to a flying start by beating the Chipolopolo of Zambia 3-1. Leicester City's Patson Daka got Zambia their consolation in the 94th minute. Comoros also got their qualification campaign off to a fly as they claimed a comfortable 2-0 win over the Crocodiles of Lesotho. 
Abu Bakr, Cameron, scored a first half brace to help Al Murabitun of Mauritania beat the Secretary Bands of Sudan 3 0. While the Leopards of DR Congo suffered a disappointing 1 0 home loss to Gabon in their first match. Tunisia conceded a goalless draw with Botswana during Group J's AFCON qualifiers played at the Francis Town Stadium in Botswana. The Cartage Eagles temporarily takes the lead in the standings with four points ahead of the Mediterranean Knights of Libya will face Equatorial Guinea in Monday's fixture. Sadio Mane also scored a hat-trick to help the Tiranga Lions of Senegal thrash Benin 3-1 in the first match of their African Cup of Nations title defense. The Wasps of Rwanda also secured a one-all away draw to Mozambique. A glimpse into one of the international friendly matches played during the weekend. The U.S. men's national team played to a nil-nil draw against 13th ranked Uruguay in a match that was played at Children's Massacre in Kansas. U.S. coach Greg Baholter shared his thoughts on the match. A-plus effort from the group uh, in tough conditions, warm conditions. Uh, the guys were battling to the end. Uh, you see every duel was contested. We talked about Uruguay being a very physical team, a very competitive team, and we had to bring that if we were going to um, you know, try to get something out of this game, and we certainly did. Um, the, the guys competed at a very high level. Um, some of the chances that we had, we could have played out a little better, could have been a little bit cleaner, uh, and we could have got a goal, um, but, but we didn't. And um, you know, we'll use this as a good learning experience. Um, thinking about some guys in particular, Joe Scally, for him, the way that he, he managed through the game and hung in there and was battling and cramping and going from left to right back. Really proud of that effort. Sean Johnson and goal, who, who's been really asking for a, a difficult opportunity or a, a challenging game, and he got his game and he responded. I thought he played an excellent game. And then Tyler Adams tonight, to, to me, had a, you know, a, an extra gear, extra spark, was all over the place and, and really helped us uh, on both sides of the ball. So those are just three guys that come to mind. But overall, um, pleased with the performance. We talked about wanting to keep progressing, keep moving forward as a group. And um, you know, tonight, I think, is an indication of that. There was U.S. men's national team coach Greg Berhalter following his team's draw against Uruguay in a friendly match. The draw extends the USA's home undefeated streak to 25 matches, just one shy of the team record of 26 set from 2013 to 2015. Sunny, since the Premier League season is over, attention now shifts to the upcoming transfer window, where reports indicate that 33-year-old Serbian midfielder Nemanja Matic is poised to join Roma on a free transfer after his contract expires at Manchester United at the end of June. French striker Alexandre Lacazette is also set to leave Arsenal when his contract expires at the end of June. The 31-year-old joined the Gunners from Lyon in the summer of 2017, scoring 71 goals in 206 games for the North London club. Manchester United have also announced that French star of Guinean descent Paul Pogba will leave the Red Devils upon the expiry of his contract at the end of the month. While Senegalese speedster Sadio Mane has also indicated that he is ready to leave Liverpool. Reporting for the sunny side of sports and Prince Nestor.
is Colonel Sam Amedu, retired. President FIBA Africa Zone 3. You are once more listening to Sunny Side of Sports on the Voice of America. Thank you very much and have a good day. Thank you very much, Colonel Sam, and I hope you have a good day, too. You might say the Golden State Warriors had a good evening on Sunday. They defeated the Boston Celtics 107-88 to to even the National Basketball Association finals at one game each. The AP's Ryan Leong reports from San Francisco, California. The Warriors rebounded strong after their disappointing loss in Game 1 as they routed the Celtics 107-88. Golden State outscored Boston 35-14 in the third quarter and built up a 29-point lead. Stephen Curry only played 32 minutes, leading the way with 29 points, making 5 of 12 three-pointers. There's definitely a need for me to be aggressive throughout the game, to create, draw attention, get shots up, and just continue to apply pressure. Obviously, his first two games, it's it's going well. Jordan Poole off the bench added 17 points, including a 39-foot three to end the third quarter. The Celtics with 28 points from Jason Tatum. We do got to take, you know, better care of the ball. They got a lot of points off that, off our turnovers. Uh, You know, that's something we got to be better, uh, you know, for next game. Uh, Because we know, you know, throughout the playoffs, the games that we have high turnovers, uh, you know, we kind of result into a loss. Ryan Leong, San Francisco. Thanks, Ryan. With more on Game 2 of the NBA Finals, here is the AP's Dave Ferry. The Celtics had a poor third quarter for the second straight game, only this time they couldn't recover. The Warriors led by two before outscoring the Celtics 35-14 in the third period of a 107-88 victory, tying the NBA Finals at a game apiece. Boston never threatened after Golden State closed the third on a 19-2 run. The Celts also received minimal contributions from Al Horford, who took just four shots and scored two points after providing a team-high 26 points in Game 1. I myself have to be better um, in that area, and I, and I will be next game. Um, you know, I'll look at the film, I'll learn from it. Jason Tatum had a team-high 28 points, but Jalen Brown shot just 5 of 17 in scoring 17 points. The Celtics host Game 3 on Wednesday. I'm Dave Ferry. Thanks, Dave. I've been talking with Brian Karunji and Rotimi Akindele about the second season of the Men's Basketball Africa League, or BAL. Brian is the general manager of the Kigali-based Patriots Basketball Club, and Rotimi is a sportscaster for Nigeria's The Beat FM. Rotimi says older players in the BAL have been a positive influence for the younger ones. If you pick boys from the academy programs and then fix, uh, fix them into the 12 teams that qualified for the finals, oh, forget about 30 teams started, sure. you know, road to the BAL and all of that, and then the, the top 12 a year uh, for the finals. Uh, you can bring in such mentors, uh, you know, to come talk to these um, young players and tell them what it takes to be a real professional. And from the testimonies we've been hearing from some of these developmental programs, all the players have been saying they don't just teach us how to play basketball. They teach us how to speak well publicly, public relations, um, how to compose yourself, how to comport yourself when you're out there, how to be true professionals, how to answer questions, talk to the media, how to relate. You know, So there's a lot of positives you can get. And based on the relationships uh, most of uh, the players have with most of the sports administrators or sports um, um, yeah, stakeholders, it's easier to bring in 
such persons uh, like Brian, such people like Ikediogu, such people like um, uh, Cleveland Thompson, you know, such people like Carlos Morai from Petrol, the Luanda, uh, the old man from um, Tunisia, that's Limani. Bring them, talk, talk to them so they can tell you, oh, I've got experience in Europe. I've got experience in the NBA. I've got experience on the African scene. And this is how I feel you can have a good life or lead a good life going forward. Rotimi mentioned uh, Slimane. Your thoughts on Slimane, Brian, uh, playing high-level basketball at the age of 41, 41. Man, that's a real, you know, a classic, if you will. I mean, he's a true professional. Every time he gets on the floor, you know, things change. He got composure. Everybody looks at him. He's a natural leader. You know, what you're seeing is is a is somebody who's living by example. So he's a, he's a true, true, true icon of the African uh, basketball game. And uh, I think we want to see a lot more guys like that actually coming out to, you know, uh, if you will, and uh, you know, empower and, and give uh, leadership and mentorship to our, you know, young people that are trying to really groom for this. So I think uh, he's done very well for the game and uh, very well for himself and he's kept you know in uh, in good shape and uh, seeing him in another final two years in a row he's just come off a final from you know his uh, his uh, local league i think he's a real winner so i think uh, he's going to be a good face for the for the game and uh, a good face for bl and fiba africa to actually always uh, try and use him to emulate you know uh, what a true sports uh, you know personality is yeah another big man for monastir uh, rutimi uh, majak uh, from Sudan, uh, very charismatic player with his hair. Some some of the players still have hair, Rotimi. <laughs> uh, but he's a he's a he's an interesting guy. I mean, he's played he's played all over the world. I think he played in Australia for a while, and uh, he represent. Yeah, he plays for Lebanon, and so he's played all over. Uh, what about Majak? Uh, what what are your thoughts on him? Uh, first off, it's, it's interesting that we all don't have hair, yeah. I don't know why. We didn't plan that. <laughs> but, I mean, from, from Majok, uh, like you said, big player, uh, South Sudanese. Uh, one of the things he said yesterday was, hey, I'm, I'm representing two countries. I'm playing for Tunisia. I'm representing South Sudan. But is that sort of uh, beast you want to have in a team? I mean, I had to use that word. Is that kind of player that you can count on and bank on when everybody... Uh, when you push, uh, your shelves are going down. You need a player like Majok to probably bring in some vibrancy into the team and tell you, hey, guys, we're not there yet. We want to win this, and this is how we can push. So it goes up, help you with the offense. It goes back, help you with the defense, um, does the big stealing for you, helps you to create that transition, uh, that transition play that could give you and then you get your threes in or you get your twos in. So it's an all-round uh, basketball player that I feel every team now We'll probably want to have a Majok mm. and a Slimani because Majok brings the energy. Slimani brings the experience. Mm-hmm. If you're coming into the BAL, you don't have experience, you don't have the, uh, the energy, then you're not going anywhere. Now, Brian, a player like uh, Majok, I think he, uh, he had a, a tryout with the Lakers or he, he played briefly with the Lakers. Do you see the, this new, it is a new league, only in its second season, do you see it becoming a, a quality premier league uh, in its own right? and that it won't be viewed as, a, say, a stepping stone 
to the NBA? No, I, I think uh, just in two seasons we already see that it's, uh, it has a, a, you know, some form of its own. So I think uh, you know, the next two, three years we're going to see a better product and uh, definitely it will be you know, on its own. It won't be a second-tier league to whether the, the American NBA and things like that. We hope not. And to, I don't think uh, with uh, the Africans that we have now, everybody behind this, uh, the quality we're seeing, be it on and off the court, trying to create a good, uh, good product will allow it to, to you know, be, be second-tier. So I think we're going to see a very, very good product in the next few years and uh, that's the ambition. And uh, hopefully we can all come together, be it the private sector, the government. What Rwanda, the government of Rwanda is trying to achieve is basically to show that uh, you can actually partner with the private sector and, and, and create something that's really sustainable. And that's what the BL is going to be. And uh, I truly believe in, in that. That's Brian Karunji, the general manager of the Kigali-based Patriots Basketball Club. And Rotimi Akindele, a sportscaster for Nigeria's The Beat FM, also joined us for that Basketball Africa League conversation. And Brian and Rotimi talked with me in Kigali, Rwanda. I'm VOA's Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. And to all our VOA listeners, please note, we've moved our programs to voaafrica.com. There you will find your favorite VOA TV and radio programs, including the sunny side of sports and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com. On the next Straight Talk Africa, tensions between Rwanda and the Democratic Republic of Congo are intensifying. The DRC accuses Rwanda of backing the resurgent M23 rebel group active in its volatile east. Rwanda denies this claim. Join me, Vincent McCory, on the next Straight Talk Africa for an in-depth look at this simmering feud on Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. Sporty greetings. This is Patrick Engelbrecht of South Africa, Director of Global Scouting of the Toronto Raptors. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Let's give a sunny side of sports salute to Rafael Nadal of Spain and Igor Fiontek of Poland, who won the men's and women's singles titles over the weekend at the French Open Tennis Tournament. Nadal scored a 6-3, 6-3 and 6-love victory over the Norwegian Casper Rudd in the final. It was his record-extending 14th French Open title, as well as a record-extending 22nd major championship. A great two weeks. Uh, honestly, no, uh, I played uh, since the beginning, uh, improving every day and uh, finishing uh, playing a good final. No? So, yeah, super happy and can't thank enough everybody for for the support. The 36-year-old Nadal became the oldest champion at the French Open. He says he was able to play at his favorite event by taking injections before every match to numb his left foot. I was able to play during these two weeks with an extreme conditions. No, I, I have been playing with, uh, with an injections uh, on the nerves. Uh, to slip the foot and that's why I was able to to play during these two weeks. Roland Garros is Roland Garros. Everybody knows how much means to me this tournament so I wanted to 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 keep trying and to give myself a chance here and that was the, the only way to 
to give myself a chance. Meanwhile, Iga Fiontech lifted her second French Open trophy by beating the American Coco Goff in the women's singles final. The AP's Jane Ferry reports. Top-ranked Iga Fiontech has captured the French Open for the second time since 2020, earning a 6-1, 6-3 win over American Coco Goff. It's so much different than after, you know, 2020 round Garros because right now I feel like I'm more ready to what's coming and uh, I feel more prepared. Sviantec continued an exceptional run that now features 35 straight match wins, tying Venus Williams in 2000 as the longest in the century. Goff was down for love in the blink of an eye and appeared nervous at the start. Yes, I am some moments could have played better, but she really didn't give me anything. Every time I thought I had a good ball, it wasn't. She broke serve in the opening game of the second set and led to love before dropping her first Grand Slam appearance. I'm Jane Ferry. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of BOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. I encourage our sunny side of sports listeners to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. Once again, that address, facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Once again, my Twitter handle, at VOA Sunny Sports. In African athletics, there were some top performances on Sunday at the Diamond League meet in Rabat, Morocco. Olympic champion and local favorite Sofiane El Bakali of Morocco delighted the fans in Rabat by winning the men's steeplechase in 7 minutes and 58.28 seconds. That's the fastest time in the world this year. Kenyan athletes won both the men's and women's 800-meter races. In the men's race, 17-year-old Emmanuel Wanyoni was impressive, clocking 1 minute and 45.47 seconds. It was Emmanuel's third victory in a row after earlier wins in Kenya and the Czech Republic. And the Kenyan Mary Mora won the women's 800 meters race in a personal best time of 1 minute and 58.93 seconds. Another Kenyan, Mary Chirono, won the women's 3,000 meters in Rabat in 8 minutes and 40.29 seconds. In the women's 1,500 meters in Morocco, Ethiopians finished 1, 2, 3. Hirit Meshesha was the winner in a personal best time of 3 minutes and 57.30 seconds. Elsewhere in African athletics, who is Team Nigeria sending to this week's Continental Championships in Mauritius? That's the question Iron Mike Mbonye posed to the technical director of the Athletics Federation of Nigeria, Samuel Onikeku. Well, we, most of our top athletes will be there. 
Toby will be there. He said we will be there. Chukwebuka uh, 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 will be there. We on, uh, we expect everybody to be there because we still have some events that we want to qualify for at the African Championships, which are the relays. And then it's the opportunity for most people to score ranking points. So um, most of our top athletes will be there, except those that will be running the NCAA. So everybody that is top for Nigeria will be there. Now, after the African Athletics Championships, what next? Is it a qualifying series for a major event later in the year? Yes, the African Championship affords us the opportunity to uh, allow some of our athletes to qualify for the World Championship in Oregon because the closing date for the qualification is the 26th of June. So after that, we hope that we will qualify for all the remaining release uh, events that we want to participate in in Oregon. And uh, in the 4x1 women, we are 16th. And the 4x4 mixed relay, we are 16th. So we want to run faster there so that... Let it not be on the last day, another country will come and remove us. And after that, there's still the trials in Nigeria. On the 20th to 25th, there's still the trials in Nigeria. So the trials will now determine who and who will go to the World Championships, Commonwealth Games, the World Juniors. So the trials will finally decide the qualification of our top athletes, both home and in Nigeria, for these major championships. As Team Nigeria prepares to go to the African Athletics Championships in Mauritius. How many events, track and field, will they participate in? Okay, we'll participate in practically all events, apart from the ones that our athletes could not qualify, could not uh, meet the set standard, because a standard for every event. So in events like Povot, that uh, we could not meet the standard, uh, those events will not participate in, but 100 meters, men and women, 400 meters, a long jump, triple jump, high jump, and all the relays. The throws, the two that we are good, we are going to participate in all these events. We only have shortcomings at the long distance events and middle and long distance events, and that is what we'll be working on to make sure that in competitions in Africa, our athletes are meeting standards before we go to the world. At the last edition of the African Athletics Championship that took place in uh, Asaba Delta State, Nigeria, Team Nigeria finished third behind Kenya that came first and South Africa that came second. What's your aim this time around? What objective have you set for Team Nigeria for these uh, uh, Mauritius uh, Championships? Yes, the objective, as I've said before, is number one, to afford our top athletes the opportunity to still qualify for the World Championships and two, to gauge and see those that are made up potentials for the Commonwealth Games, and then three, to, to see that we cement our positions in the relays that were in uh, top 16, and those that we've not qualified for the top 16, to make sure that we are able to get in there. We are just not going for medals. Yes, we win uh, so many medals. We win gold medals, we win silver medal, we win bronze medal, but what we really want is that we want to see all our relays back in the World Championships, and again, to be able to gauge our preparations to know the level we are for the Commonwealth Games, to see the areas that if we put a little bit of more effort, technically, in the next one month, we'll be able to get medals in Commonwealth Games because the aim is to always do better than the last time. So we try and see this African Athletic Championship, we afford us the opportunity to be able to assess, to gauge how our preparations have been since the beginning of the year. That's Samuel Onikeku, the Technical Director of the Athletics Federation of Nigeria, 
And he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lagos, Nigeria. Sporty greetings, everyone. This is Ambassador Mary Onyal, Olympic medalist, five-time African champion in the sprint event. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. In professional golf, American Billy Horschel won the memorial tournament in the U.S. city of Dublin, Ohio. The AP's Graham Agars reports. Billy Horschel has won the prestigious memorial tournament, securing his victory with a 52-foot Eagle 3 at the par 5 15th hole that gave him a four-shot lead with just three holes to play. In the end, he posted a final round 72 for a total of 13 under, four clear of Aaron Wise. I'm a guy who loves grinding it out. I'm a guy who doesn't mind if it's not pretty. As long as it gets the ball in the hole with the least amount of shots, that's all that matters. Defending champion Patrick Cantlay finished tied for third at seven under, six behind Horschel. The Floridian won by keeping his ball out of the treacherous rough and the victory brought up his seventh career win on the PGA Tour and his first for the year. Really a great round of golf. I'm very happy with the way Fuchs and I played the day. We, we just were within ourselves. We never you know, got too flustered, never, never worried too much, just went out there and tried to play a solid round of golf. I'm Graham Agars. And that wraps up the June 6th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.